So hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to our latest episode of this podcast series. Now, we have a very special guest joining us today, Siri Crouch, who's the Vice President of Carbon Capture and Storage for Shell. Today, we're going to be speaking with her about carbon and capture and storage sector, projects under development, and how the CCS industry is going to evolve in the future. Now, we have a lot of items to get to with her today, so I'd like to welcome in our special guest. Siri, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Excellent. Now, before we dive into our discussion about carbon capture and storage, which we'll address that as CCS from now on, uh, can you let the listeners know a little bit more about your role with Shell? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the VP for carbon capture and storage within Shell. That means that I'm responsible for uh, a few things. Uh, the first is developing our CCS strategy. Uh, and recently, well, recently, within the last five years, we changed that to looking at CCS hubs. And what do I mean by that? It means looking at CCS not only to help decarbonize our own emissions, but also looking at if we can get CCS up and running, what else can it enable in terms of the energy transitions? So things like lower carbon products, chemicals, plastics, uh, potentially lower carbon steel, uh, cement and others but equally blue hydrogen uh, and lower carbon power. So working maybe with uh, uh, power um, stations, et cetera. And then of course, uh, last but by no means least, we also look at things like potential negative emissions from things like uh, working with waste to energy plants, BECs or DAC uh, direct air capture. Um, I'm also responsible for building and delivering a portfolio of projects globally. Um, at the moment we have six of these strategic CCS hubs we're working on delivering through our project maturation gate. And then we have a whole heap of other projects which are much earlier um, in the funnel at an earlier phase of evaluation. Uh, to be clear, this covers CO2 capture, transportation and storage. And through that piece, I work with other parts of Shell on key LinkedIn elements such as CO2 shipping, uh, groups such as our chemicals and products division on how we can enable lower carbon intense products as well. So a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, and I have to say it's a, a fascinating role. Absolutely. You sound very busy. <laughs> so, and I want to get to those projects here in just a little bit, I, I guess, but to start off the conversation, um, can you let the listeners know why Shell is actively exploring and developing CCS technologies? Yeah, um, so thanks, Lee. Um, like many other companies, uh, Shell has made a net zero uh, ambition for 2050. And through that, we're active in many energy transition elements, wind, solar, hydrogen, nature-based solutions. Uh, but obviously, for my part of the business, it's carbon capture and storage. Um, in that space, we have a very clear target of 25 million tonnes per annum by 2035. And to be clear, we're looking at scope one and scope two, but also our scope three emissions. And then to come back to why, well, if you look at the Paris agreements, it's very clear that whichever scenario you look at, be it Shell's only scenarios, those run by the IEA, so the International Energy Agency, or the IPCC, International Panel for Climate Change, a significant amount of CCS is required. And that's anything between three to something like 15 or even I've heard as high as 18 gigatons per annum. Um, 
And why such a wide range? Well, that depends how fast we, and by that I mean we as the world, move towards um, other energy transition elements such as wind, solar, hydrogen, etc. Now, I actually quite like talking to people about what is a gigaton, because I don't know about yourself, Lee, but you know, visualising a gigaton of a gas, I find very, very hard. Yeah, yeah that's so, the truth, yeah. Uh, so it, the... Uh, if you put the world's population on a really large scale, on a large bathroom scale, we weigh about half a gigaton. Worryingly, our global consumption of plastics is annually about a gigaton. And then maybe something that people can more closely relate to is the world's current oil and gas and hydrocarbon industry is about five gigatons per annum. So depending how fast the world moves towards the energy transition, you can see something which is roughly the size of the current oil and gas industry, but with the molecules flowing in reverse, is required uh, before 2050. And obviously, the, the slower we are in moving towards the energy transition, the larger the amount of CCS that is required becomes. And I think the other key thing to be very clear about is it is never zero. Even in the most optimistic um, energy transition scenario, there is at least three gigatons per annum uh, required. Now, where are we at the moment? Um, I actually don't have the exact uh, numbers for the moment, but about in 2018, there was 40 million tonnes per annum of uh, CO2 being injected and stored. So whichever way you look at it, there is a vast ramp up in CCS that is required. Yeah, and, and, and with this industry for CCS to take off, I mean, I, there's got to be so many different challenges. So I'm kind of curious, in your opinion, what are the major challenges in adopting CCS for industrial projects? Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I mentioned that something about the, the scale, and these are large-scale industrial projects, and therefore they, they come with some of the same large-scale industrial project challenges around you know, uh, managing costs, managing schedules, managing uh, permitting requirements. So there's all of those elements which are standard, whether you're doing a large scale CCS project, uh, a large scale construction project, et cetera. So those ones are, are, are there. But then I mentioned, of course, that we've got the molecules flowing in reverse. Uh, now, normally in hydrocarbon world, you actually deal with the molecules flowing out of the subsurface into the pipeline, into a refinery, which means you go from the piece of the project with the greatest uncertainty, uh, which is a subsurface. You know, it's two kilometres, three kilometres underground, um, and you're, you're having to visualise that into more and more certain pieces because they're engineered. You can see, you can touch them, you can intervene. Now, with CCS, we're going the other way around. We're going from those hard engineered components about a capture plant on a, a refinery or a hydrogen manufacturing unit or a steel plant, et cetera, uh, back into the subsurface, which means you've just got to be able to change your mindset, get your mindset around that piece. But the key part here is that you are returning fossil CO2 to the fossil record. Yeah. And so that for me is, is key. 
The other piece is we are developing these projects while we are still working with both governments and in some cases intergovernmental bodies on what are the regulatory, the policies that we will need to deliver within. And they're still being defined while we're still trying to mature the projects. So it's very much a, a partnership between multiple industrial players and government entities to ensure we can deliver in the timeframe required. So, and then, you know, another piece is, this is not just a solution for one sector of industry, but it's a solution for heavy industry in total. And this means that we are working uh, in some cases with industrial partners who do not always understand the challenges of working with the subsurface. And so ensuring we land agreements that work for all the participants and that we all understand the, the challenges of the project means that it, it can be quite a challenge. Yeah. And so one of the things I think here is that indeed it's very much a, a public private partnership where you've got government bodies on one side, you've got um, companies such as the, the one I represent uh, on the other side. And indeed, then even further, you've got potential other industrial customers. And the way I put it is we we almost have to, um, oh, if you think about when you're a, a child and you know, you're doing something slightly risky, like I know jumping off the high board into a swimming pool and you all dare each other and no one's willing to take the risk of moving first. Well, it's a bit like that where actually none of us can move on our own. So we actually have to hold hands to some degree and, and jump together and actually all take a certain amount of risk in terms of getting these projects up and running and not trying to put all the risk on one side of the equation or the other. So that for me is probably the, the biggest challenge is making sure that we keep that alignment across the in, entire potential value chain moving together in this space. Did, did, did that help? No, absolutely. No. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a great uh, look at those challenges. Yeah, because I know there's so many. And, and, and kind of my next question, it segues on my next question, which is uh, Shell's projects that are in operation uh, and kind of what you learn from those. So I, I believe you all have two CCS projects that are in operation. I, I believe I saw this on your site that there's Gorgon in Australia and Quest in Canada. So my question, which is a two-parter here is, what has Shell learned from those projects? And are those technologies being applied uh, to those facilities? Are they going to be used for future projects? Right. Um, so uh, let's be clear. Uh, yes, <laughs> I can make it a very short answer and say just yes. Of course, we're going to learn from what we've uh, seen in those two projects and apply it across to others. But maybe let's uh, go into a little bit more depth and detail. Um, and you have to bear with me. Uh, I was the front end development manager for the Quest project in Canada, so I can get very boring on that uh, just to give you a heads up. Um, that has been in operation for approximately seven and a half years. It has now stored, uh, it stores actually one point, uh, well, one million tons per annum pretty much. So not surprisingly, seven and a half million tons has been stored in total. I think one of the key things here is it has um, a, a very high uptime. Now that's really important because that high uptime allows you to sit there and say, well, actually we can afford to put this on our manufacturing processes because what you don't want is um, you know, the, the carbon capture piece tripping the entire system and bringing down your whole manufacturing process, be it 
you know, in our case, um, uh, hydrocarbons or chemicals, or indeed in a steel manufacturer's case, steel, uh, cement or whatever in that sense. So making sure that we learn about, well, how did we get to that high uptime? Um, what can we do from there? The other piece is, though, we did learn it. It, it was the first of a kind. Um, and like all first of a kinds, you tend to over engineer it. So we didn't want it to fail. Um, we needed to show that CCS could work and could work at an industrial scale. And so um, there is an element of belts and braces. So what we've been doing is looking back at that and saying, well, actually, what can we um, strip out and still keep the intent of the project whole, still make sure that it is reliable and it is storing as expected. And very importantly, we give the government and the local stakeholders the um, assurance that it is safe, it's reliable, the CO2 is permanently stored, because that also comes back into being able to close the site. When we sit there and say, no, this site is no longer required, either because it's full or because the manufacturing process has shut down, we need to be able to shut it, monitor it for a certain period, and then basically close it, hand the keys back to the government and uh, say, okay, that's it. it, it that, that volume of CO2 is safely stored. So there's a lot of learnings in that space. We now look at it and think, well, actually, if we were to build a carbon copy of the Quest project, we think we could do it for about 20% uh, cheaper. Now, <laughs> that was prior to some of the current hikes in, um, shall we say, uh, manufacturing costs. But in theory, you know, if you were doing like for like, we think we could strip out about 20% of the cost. So that's one big learning there. We've also got learnings in how we monitor the site, how we um, you know, close that loop around where is the CO2 going, how is it m moving in, in the subsurface. The Gorgon project is, uh, we are a partner in it. It is actually um, operated by Chevron, um, and we're just one of the partners there. It is the largest of its kind in the world and is um, the largest greenhouse gas abatement project undertaken by industry to date. Um, since CO2 injection started in August 2019, more than 7 million tonnes of greenhouse gas have been injected. Um, what we've learned from this is the effectiveness of CCS projects uh, depend on a range of factors and many large scale uh, thoughts and you need to hone that process over time. In the case of Gorgon, innovation on this scale wasn't without its challenges. Um, the project is continuing to inject as much carbon as practicable against some of the pressure management issues we're seeing and constraints. It's operating stably, but at a lower water production rate and additional pressure management capacity is required to increase these injection rates. And the project is working to implement those pressure management optimization uh, options in that sense. The CO2 hasn't met our uh, expectations or those of the government, but actually the, the project team, like I mentioned, is working hard in terms of, well, what can we do to improve that injection rate? But equally, we're equ equally looking at alternate ways to manage the um, greenhouse gas shortfall in that sense. So key learnings uh, indeed is measurement, monitoring and verification. 
look at how the whole system is performing, where do you have to monitor, what do you have to monitor in the subsurface to understand both the pressure plume and the uh, CO2 movement. That's equally valid for the Quest project. Um, in this case, Quest, we didn't have to worry about water handling and pressure management through extracting water. In Gorgon, there's a large um, learning around managing that piece. Um, the MMV plan, absolutely essential to system optimization and safe operations. Um, designing for a wide envelope of operating conditions. So not just looking at the system through, shall we say, stable operating environment, but actually looking at it in terms of, well, what happens in the upset conditions? You know, startup, shutdown, maintenance, um, etc. And making sure you have a, a way forward to integrate all those um, performance data learnings back into the system as you move forward. No, excellent. And it's 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 incredibly interesting to see how much you can learn from those different types of projects and kind of how different those learnings can be. I guess in just different parts of the world. So it's it's, well, it's fascinating. And and you know, this is where talking about the 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 fact that the subsurface you know is uncertain and just like some hydrocarbon projects um, perform better than expected, some perform as expected, and some perform uh, less well than expected. As soon as you have the subsurface component in there, then there will be these learnings that come out. Yeah, in that sense, and I think recognizing that that is the case right up front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so I, I kind of want to dive into uh, another area here because recently uh, your organization announced plans to test carbon capture technology at the Technology Center Monsat in, in Norway. So I'm wondering if you can provide a little bit more background on that project and what you hope to accomplish. Right. So um, to be clear, um, so Shell has uh, a couple of uh, capture technologies. We have uh, CanSolve and our ADIP Ultra. Um, one is post-combustion capture technology. The other is pre-combustion capture technology. Um, the ADIP is a mean system is the one we use in um, the Quest project. Um, and equally, let's maybe give a bit of introduction to those who don't know what uh, Technology Center Mongstadt is. It's owned by the Norwegian state through Gasnova, and it has three industrial partners. Uh, Equinor, Shell and Total, as well as the uh, Norwegian state. Equinor is the operator of the facility and it's been in existence since 2012. And it's the world's largest and most flexible test centre for developing CO2 capture technologies and a leading competence centre for carbon capture uh, with a unique scale and flexibility in terms of being able to kind of um, simulate real world, world conditions for post-combustion capture and to test a multitude of different mature and emerging technologies. Um, so it's this ability to test that variety of technologies on industrial flue gases, both on-site and through uh, open access data sets that makes it unique in that sense. Um, so coming back to what are we doing there? Um, so we have a five-month program at TCM to continue to improve the amine that's at the heart of our post-combustion capture technology. Uh, and that, as I mentioned before, is the CanSolve uh, amine system. And the whole purpose of this is, you know, technology improvement and innovation is at, at the heart of what we're trying to achieve. 
And if we can improve the amine uh, solutions, then we can help drive uh, capex and opex reductions, which are imperative to to bring down the um, the cost of carbon capture and to you know, increase the affordability in this space, um, which is not just for ourselves. To be clear, you know, we license um, the CanSolve technology to uh, multiple other industries. So this would benefit not just ourselves, but would actually benefit heavy industry as a whole. Excellent. Yeah, no, it, it, we're pretty familiar with the CanSolve technology. So, I mean, and it's a great uh, segue into my next question, and it's just kind of looking on the horizon, and is what are the next steps for Shell's CCS plans? Oh, wow. Um, so, as I mentioned right at the start, we're working on delivering these six major CCS hubs. Um, yeah, we need to mature them. They're, they're still at various stages in the uh, what we call the ORS funnel, but the uh, project uh, development funnel. Um, if we manage to get them all through to FID, uh, they will come on stream at various times between 2025 and 2030 plus. I also mentioned we've got a whole heap of um, opportunities which are behind this and at a much earlier stage. So we, we need to define those and then hopefully they will become either one of these hubs or a satellite um, CCS project. Um, we're working to be able to build out that measurement, monitoring and verification program uh, to provide assurance of the volumes of CO2 stored and actually then to be able to utilize this um, storage credit, if you like, against the carbon intensity of various products. So as we do one of these hubs, the idea is that we will obviously capture a certain amount of um, CO2 from industries A, B and C, store it underground. Obviously, there is some CO2 emitted in that process of carbon capture and storage. So then we can do the, the carbon accounting and issue back to each of those industries a, a CO2 credit, if you like, that then those industries can use, um, obviously, to offset maybe their, their CO2 um, emissions tax, but equally to put it against um, product lines and to be able to say, well, actually, here is a lower carbon intense product. Because as the world and governments and industries put these net zero targets out there, then that means there should be a value to a lower carbon product. And governments should be looking to purchase products which are a lower carbon intensity, uh, which will hopefully drive a price premium. Um, and equally higher carbon intense products will then potentially drop out of the market. Uh, but to do that, the end consumer, so yourself or myself in buying that lower carbon product will want to be assured that it is truly lower carbon. And that's where, you know, with CCS, you can meter how much CO2 is going underground. You can do this carbon accounting. You can then potentially use something like blockchain to follow those carbon credits right from the wellhead back through to you purchasing, uh, I don't know, um, a Tesla made out of low carbon steel or with low carbon plastics in its construction. Um, you know, uh, equally the same for, in fact, I saw Nike had recently labeled the CO2 content of their trainers. So something like that. Yeah. So working that piece 
um, to do that it is you know uh, these are all components which are enable me to evaluate CCS as a potential line of business going forward and how do we build it out um, and setting in place the asset structure uh, around these uh, various ventures. Um, and obviously, I mentioned we also have the, the capture technology and I already touched on, you know, um, maturing and taking our capture technology ideally to the next level which would allow us to strip some of the costs out and make this more affordable, both for ourselves, but also for others. Excellent. And so I got one last question for you. And uh, I'm just kind of curious that, you know, in your opinion, what what is the future of CCS? And, and you've touched on this, of course, during this conversation, but how is Shell going to play a role in it? Uh-huh. Um, so what's the future of CCS? Well, I think, you know, if you come back to the why are we doing it and the the whole recognition, and I think, you know, it's not just Shell, but lots of other players are just recognising that if we're going to make this energy transition, if we're going to make our net zero emissions ambitions, then CCS has an absolutely critical role to play and it's required at scale. And it will be, you know, in my mind, it will become a fundamental enabler of heavy industry, and in particular, those hard to abate emissions that come th from things like chemicals, plastics, steel, cement. Uh, and this doesn't mean you're not looking at circular plastics and things like that, but this is in addition to that. Yeah. Um, I equally think it'll have a role to play in negative emissions. So capturing the CO2 either from, you know, waste to energy plants, BECs or DAC. Um, I hope that as we as consumers will get more savvy about our purchasing power and use it to choose lower carbon intensity products that in turn will help industry to decarbonize and for us all to meet our climate goals. Um, so that's what is the future of CCS um, and the role Shell will play in it. Well, of course, I'm biased. Uh, and I, I'd like to see Shell play a, an absolute critical role in multiple aspects of uh, CCS as a nascent business. Uh, one, by driving its development, by working with like-minded businesses to build out some of those value chains I, I've laid out earlier. Um, until recently, we were the only oil and gas company that was active across all elements of the CCS business model, you know, combining capture technologies, uh, offering capture services, transportation, including development of the shipping uh, solution or CCS shipping solution and geological storage. So I think we're actually driving and pushing the envelope in many spaces. And now you see others have actually moved into this space as well um, with you know, recent um, MOUs between the, the likes of some of the other oil and gas majors with Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, who offers another uh, capture solution uh, etc. Um, equally helping to build out this whole piece around well what monitoring do we need what assurance do we need to enable people to understand the CO2 intensity of products they purchase and of course the advantage of a, a big multinational uh, and you know Shell is only one of many uh, is the ability to work with partners both government cell and intergovernmental and you know other large industrial players to, to build out that environment that can enable this as a, a nascent business and therefore give us a greater chance of reaching the Paris Climate uh, Agreement goals. 
Um, so no small uh, vision there, but uh, that's the role I'd like to see us play. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, that's, that's great. Well, this is, uh, Siri, we really can't thank you enough for providing us a couple minutes to chat about this important subject, which is, of course, facing not only uh, the energy industry, but, you know, all these industrial sectors as well. So it's really going to be interesting to see how CCS is going to involve in the uh, evolve in the future. And it looks like, you know, after this discussion, Shell's going to be heavily involved in it. So we really want to thank you for your time today. And, of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to this latest installment. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Thank you.